Opinionated Marketers, a podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Hello and welcome. I am joined by Charles Nixon, uh, founder of the Cambridge Marketing College. Charles, we're going to talk about shrinkflation today. So, and, and I know you have a view as to whether shrinkflation is, is good or bad. Can we start with what shrinkflation is? Hello, Kieran. It's nice to be back. Uh, shrinkflation um, has now been joined also by skimpflation, I see, by uh, one journalist. So the uh, um, answer to your question essentially is that um, a branded product tends to reduce its size but maintain its price. Uh, it's happened in many times during the past in periods of inflation when instead of putting the prices up, uh, branded product suppliers decide that they actually want to maintain the price um, but needs to uh, accommodate an increase in costs. So they usually will reduce the content uh, in size. Um, sometimes it's been um, noted that they actually may maintain the packaging size so there's more space inside um, and sometimes it is seen as being something that is um, not particularly um, honest with consumers on the basis that the price uh, is the same but the content has reduced and skimpflation is the one that's coming out uh, whereby the quality of the content is being reduced um, and substituted with um, inferior products or a smaller amount of whatever it is that you think you were necessarily buying before. Um, both of which have been brought about by uh, organisations trying to maintain margins. Yes, I mean, there's uh, various examples that various uh, journalists and companies have highlighted. Um, so the Guardian Money did some investigations into skimpflation and there was a, an Aldi olive oil spread which originally had 21% olive oil. Now, olive oil is massively expensive now um, thanks to various global warming issues. And so Aldi reduced the amount of olive oil within the spread. So it's gone from 21% to 10%. Um, but the price, so they could hold the price, but the quality of the products had gone down. But what's the, and the reason it's called skimpflation is because it's not then highlighted. And I think that's one of the ethical things about skimpflation is that um, you, it, you think you're buying the same product and the same quality, but you're not. Uh, that's very true. You, you are in, uh, having to be um, more of your own police person, if you like, on the basis of looking at what it is you're buying and consuming, which, as a good consumer, you should be anyway. <laughs> well, OK. Um, and the other thing that brought shrinkflation into the interview was um, one of the French supermarkets, Carrefour, decided they were going to do a, a marketing campaign where they actually called out shrinkflation by sticking shrinkflation warnings on, on supermarket shelves, which was quite an interesting thing for them to have gone for. It's a, a similar aspect, I think, when you consider the discussions that have been going on in the past between various branded manufacturers and retailers with strong retailing positions. Um, I believe, if I remember rightly, Heinz and Tesco's had a, a bit of a to-do some time ago about um, the prices that uh, Tesco's were prepared to accept. You can see the situation from Carefor's perspective, um, and um, you can also see the point of view from the branded suppliers. Um, one of the issues that I think it really highlights is that in times of inflation, and indeed a, a general sort of trend over the decades, has been a rise in own label from branded uh, products. So Carefor is quite... Um, uh, 
a successful brand with its own reputation and the result of which it wants to maintain its relationship with its customers. From that perspective, it obviously wants to maintain um, a high reputation for honesty as much as anything. And But the other aspect, of course, is that they, by doing this, are highlighting the value for money, as they would see it, of their own products. Um, and have uh, been unable, I blink, believe it was with Nestle, to come to an agreement as to um, managing the price increases. So they were basically pointing this out to the consumer um, on the idea that, of course, that they will um, therefore be pointing this uh, consumer to their own products, um, which has been a trend and indeed is a trend which is causing inflation to gradually come down in the UK. Uh, well, yes, OK, we're, we're talking on the day when infla- food inflation, has they've announced, has come down fraction of a percentage point. And for anybody who thinks that means that prices are actually going to go down, uh, sorry, it just means that the rate of increase has uh, slowed. It doesn't actually mean prices will necessarily fall. Um, so, Charles, I think you take quite a... I think most people would argue that shrinkflation is possibly a bad thing, um, that it pulls the wool over consumers' eyes, perhaps... Um, I noticed my favourite Cadbury's rolls were mini rolls used to be sold in packs of five and now sold in packs of four um, and was therefore outraged because that's basically a 20% price increase hidden. But no bad thing is what you want me to say on the basis that I am a contrarian (laughs) and the result of which is that I think there are positive sides (laughs) to this. Yes. Many of the products. with those. uh, Many of the products of which inflation is uh, applied are. arguably those which perhaps we should be moderating in, uh, input of anyway. Uh, they tend to be those which are using um, high-cost um, ingredients, um, mainly from the point of view of sugars um, and oils. And a huge amount of activity is going on these days about the health of the nation um, and the fact that the nation is still uh, hooked on processed foods. Um, and the result of which is causing a sort of uh, um, demographic time bomb um, as people are gradually um, not consuming the right things and as a result um, will have health problems later on. So one aspect you could say is that shrinkflation is a market movement which is in the right direction. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily one of those where anyone has actually thought about it um, and promotes it on that basis. But I would see that on the basis that uh, as we see many things changing in society for various reasons, uh, many of them actually have positive benefits. Um, so I think you know, as we see high inflation forcing people to eat less meat, um, there is the benefit um, from that point of view from uh, the production of um, carbon gases. Yes, I think the ethical side is, are you being honest with the consumer? Yeah, the fact that I can only buy four of my favourite Cadbury's mini rolls and therefore can't have one every day of the working week, but only four days of the working week, is probably not bad for my waistline. However, Cadbury's didn't point this out to me. I just suddenly, I know, I picked it off the shelf and it was suddenly the same amount. But on Um, the basis that you've uh, got to run a business, you aren't necessarily going to point out five slash now four. Um, You would just say, (laughs) there are four. Um, so I think you've got to be fairly pragmatic in the way in which you do this. And but I don't think they're doing thing? it on the basis of trying to make you healthy. No, they, they are no. doing it to maintain it. And that's your, but surely that's your point. You're saying that actually there's a good side to this, 
but manufacturers are not being open and honest. They're not saying we're, we're creating highly processed foods, which are really, really bad for you. Therefore, we're going to sell you less of them for the same price. No, and that's an interesting one in itself, because I think the last time I read an article which says that Nestle couldn't actually muster more than uh, uh, 50% of its products, which were considered healthy um, by any category, the result of which is that vast majority of the stuff is unhealthy. Um, and uh, we do have to wean ourselves off this. And I think that there are significant arguments to be said from an ethical point of view that many of the products should come with health warnings. But is that a reason to have shrinkflation or is that actually an argument that we should be looking seriously at the type of food that is sold on the supermarket shelves? I think it's a compromise because I think that you can't wean a nation off processed foods overnight, but you can gradually reduce the uh, consumption of them. And that is done as everything is done in a liberal democracy through price. OK, go on, explore, explore that one further. So why price? Why specifically price? Because that's the way in which we are stimulated. So if I put the price of meat up, people will eat less meat. Um, it isn't done just, just for that, but it is an economic consequence of climate change. And so we are seeing a change in the way in which we consume, which is going to eventually lead to... Uh, See, uh, I, I think an ignif uh, a, 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 I'm hesitating on the word significant because I think it probably will take a long time to be significant, but it will lead to changes in dietary patterns. It will lead to changes in um, uh, the way in which we consume fossil fuels. The problem is when uh, either governments get in the way to ameliorate this or it may not happen quick enough. Um, and so from an ethical perspective, you may wish to come down and on the stop oil side and say stop it straight away um, the problem with that of course is that if you just stop it straight away you you would grind to a halt very quickly on various uh, important and essential items um, so you have to have this compromise which historically speaking takes decades um, whether or not we have decades is the argument but you could also argue and i'm not certain you're you're more of a historian than i am that this is a social historian thing i mean I don't remember it being so easy to snack and find the level of food stuff that we can now. That's not a price issue. That's a product development issue and a distribution issue, surely. Um, yes, I think that, that that certainly is true. But what, what we find is that in order to be able to um, make that product development and distribution as successful as it is, it has to be at a price that the consumer can afford en masse. Um, you can't do this if you're doing it for a niche marketplace. Um, and so the result of which is that uh, it, it has to be done en masse and therefore price is a very important part of introducing any snacking product these days. Um, and the the idea of high-level um, uh, cost um, for a snacking product is gradually finding some sort of uh, um, uh, purchase in the marketplace on the basis that um, you appeal on the quality of the products that go into it um, and the result of which is that therefore it, it contains some sort of healthy benefit but it is ex uh, clearly stated that you know, some parts of it may be unhealthy. So what I'm arguing there I suppose is that we will constantly have changes in dietary patterns, but they will have to be stimulated by price, especially in today's world, where we all concern ourselves with uh, price because of inflation and the impact that's had on living standards. 
Yes, you'd be a very brave marketer at the moment to turn around and go, right, I'm putting all my prices up. Um, it, it's unless, as you say, you're in a niche marketplace. If you're in a standard marketplace, you've got to be very aware that the consumers are counting the pennies. Yes, very much so. Um, the interesting aspect, I think, that, that we haven't really touched on, of course, and I haven't even got a terminology for it, is the degree to which companies have decided that now is the time to put their prices up, um, irrespective of the... Uh, um, uh, cost input side because they haven't been able to put their prices up over the last five to eight years and the result of which is that there is a huge amount of um, capital investment that has gone by the board because margins haven't been high enough to, to bring about that investment um, so we're now seeing an opportunity to ge generate larger profit margins and reinvest in particular aspects of, um, uh, of production or um, R&D. So we, we may well see in the next five years a, a fairly large increase in innovation in these products. Um, it may well be smaller products, but they may well be much more healthy through innovation. You're right. That is a really interesting point and not one I had considered. But yes, you were, there are some stealth price increases going on because you can. Um, yeah, well, you have to have a terminology. Just, uh, oh, it's inflation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Stealth yeah. price increases. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the biggest problem I always find is being a contrarian. Everybody takes the, the, the negative approach to this. And I'd love to see some terminologies which were you know, a positive spin. Now, I have to have more income because I need R&D and I need the R&D to bring out the next generation of products. Excuse me, I'm going to put my prices up. Um, you, Innovation price increase. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. It's not snappy <laughs> enough, unfortunately, to get in the evening standard, but you could try. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see a Daily, Daily Star headline on that one. No, okay. <laughs> Not unless but, it's got an alien in it. <laughs> uh, but yes, you're right. You could, I mean, I'm calling it stealth increases, but you could, yeah, you could definitely have a sort of more positive spin. Answers on a postcard, please, to um, Cambridge Marketing College. You can contact us on any social media, but we'd love to hear some ideas of positive reasons for putting prices up. Yes, indeed. Just Nixon, lovely to speak to you again. As ever, Kieran. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye. Like and subscribe to this feed for more podcast content from Cambridge Marketing College.